Costume Talk is an immersive exploration of costuming, featuring a parade of local costume lovers from New Orleans. I'm Shel Romalat. I'm Julianne Lanyev. And I'm Caroline Thomas. We are three costume designers in New Orleans who spend our lives making, wearing, and discussing costumes. Join us as we take a deep dive into the glitzy, glue-filled world of Mardi Gras costuming, which here happens all year long. We have conversations with other costume lovers and makers in NOLA that often lead to unexpected places. Because costuming isn't just about playing dress-up, it's a way of life that can change who you are. Hey everyone, I'm excited to announce the first season of Costume Talk. This podcast has been a dream of mine for a while, and it's really crazy and amazing that it's happening, and we're just going for it. We have an incredible season planned with interviews, stories, tips, amazing conversations about costuming that I think are going to surprise you. In the meantime, I was feeling kind of sad about missing Midsummer Mardi Gras, so I sat down with Hank Staples and Fred Caston, two of the original founding members who have done Midsummer Mardi Gras for over 30 years. I learned a ton from our talk, and I think you will too. Enjoy. Well, here we go. Hank, Fred. Welcome to Costume Talk. Great to see you. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today and uh, for being my interview guinea pigs. I will fully own it. This is my first time interviewing for the podcast, and uh, I'm thrilled to have you guys and really honored that you're willing to sit down with me. I know that it seems like a weird time to get into a conversation about costuming, um, but I know you all are costumers, and you understand how important costuming can be to creating community. And so it's a great time to sit down and talk to you about something I know I'm so sad about, missing Midsummer Mardi Gras. How did you guys feel this weekend? Well, there was a big void for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an empty feeling. I'd only missed one Midsummer Mardi Gras in the, uh, of the 34. That was the night I had to be on the radio uh, helping uh, direct folks with their evacuations of Katrina uh, when we ran uh, the last parade in New Orleans before Katrina. That was the night of the 27th of August, 2005. So uh, it, it's terrible to miss. I will like to say for the record before we go any further though, that during the quarantine time, I have experienced one thing I've never experienced before, many things, but this is one comes to mind with costuming. I was not only allowed, but in fact required to wear a mask in the bank. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knew? Yeah. I, hadn't had to do, hadn't had to, I want to make it clear that I never had to do that before. It's, it's the upside down times for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Nothing yeah. makes sense. Yeah. A good thing to add to that is that, um, uh, I just was at uh, one of our local banks, and um, oh, this was a few months ago. Uh, one of the uh, it was raining outside quite hard. I showed up inside. I had my hat on. One of the tellers stood up in a very loud voice and said, "Would you please take your hat off?" And I felt like I was robbing the place. So today I go to the same bank, and everyone is wearing a mask. Right. But well, I didn't see any hats. Yeah, and that they would care about the hat is very strange. But, well, you know, yeah, masks present a whole new level of complication when it comes to recognizing people. 
And in New Orleans, when you already struggle with recognizing people in, out in costumes and you add masks to it, it's, it's a whole new level of figuring out who's behind the mask. So I'd love to ask you all, first of all, um, in your own words, what, how would you describe Midsummer Mardi Gras? What does it mean to you? Well, it's a way for <clears throat> locals to um, blow off steam <laughs> and have some fun in the doggest days of summer. And steamy it always is. That is the one consistent, for sure. Yeah, I can't uh, think of one um, that's, uh, even when it's rained, uh, the rain goes through quickly and it makes it worse, not better. Yeah, has there ever, so there's never been a random, you know, cold front that rolls through with no rain and it's a balmy well, 82? Uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> we had a couple of cold fronts over the years where it got down to the mid 80s. Oh, well, see that? I mean, that's nice comparatively. Yeah. Since clothing is optional uh, in the crew of Oak it, uh, in midsummer Mardi Gras, it has been uh, accepted that it will be in the 90s and we have uh, approached it accordingly. Oh, yes. Embraced it, I would say, with, with great vigor. <laughs> that's correct. Well, so when did it start? Tell us about, because I, I have to admit, and I'm in the crew of Oak, and I don't know when the first Midsummer Mardi Gras was. Hank has the story of the origin of the pre-crew of Oak Midsummer Mardi Gras and where the whole thing comes from. Hank, uh, fill in those blanks. Uh, the crew of Oak was um, a neighborhood party in Carrollton. And um, for it, it, it was uh, held for several years but pretty much every year it was held at a different house. And the reason is because uh, whoever held the uh, party, uh, their house was utterly destroyed. Yeah. And, and um, they refused to have it at their place the next year. And then the, the last year before it um, uh, took residence at the uh, Maple Leaf Bar, there, it was at a house on Jeanette Street, and um, uh, one of the women who was instrumental in creating the Crew of Oak, um, she was seeing both of the brothers whose family owned the house on Jeanette Street. Oh, good for her. Well, I, and I can't remember which one she happened to be seeing, <laughs> but the year before, uh, the Midsummer Mardi Gras had been at their house, and they refused to, um, uh, even by their standards, they were as incredibly, incredibly uh, untidy people. <laughs> even by those standards, they would not have the event again. And so it was transferred over to the Maple Leaf. And um, that, it started uh, before- And so what year was that? Do you remember? That, it was around 1985. Okay. It might have been 86, but okay. I think it was 85. Mid-80s. Mid-80s, correct. And um, it, was, uh, it was held here at the Maple Leaf before there was a Crew of Oak, the Midsummer Mardi Gras. And then what happened was the next year the Crew of Oak was created, and um, the Crew of Oak took over 
sponsoring the Midsummer Mardi Gras. Oh, okay. So see, I didn't know that. So the Midsummer Mardi Gras parade comes before celebration. I guess it really was more comes before Crew of Oak. Okay. That's right. And then um, prior to uh, it sort of headquartering uptown, um, at one point, this would be in the late 70s and early 80s, there were uh, Midsummer Mardi Gras uh, small p parties at different people's places. Right. Mostly, I think, in the Marigny because the uh, uh, woman who uh, had started the Crew of Oak, uh, her name was Terry Tucker. And Terry, for uh, several years, worked at the original Dream Palace down on Frenchman Street. She was notorious for uh, attending bar naked. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. That <laughs> she, she had sticky. quite a following. <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> and um, there were, um, uh, they weren't as organized as the events became, but th there were parties down in um, the Marigny where, um, you know, sometime in July or August, somebody would have a midsummer Mardi Gras party. And Terry brought that up to Oak Street when she started. Uh, she she left Dream Palace and started work at the Maple Leaf. Very cool. Wow. And so so yeah. So there was this whole tradition of kind of honoring that moment and that time in in route in the you know it's the beginning of the March to Carnival season. So that's very cool. Yes, and it's uh, indicative of the esteem with which the Maple Leaf was held in that um, a, a party that no one would host because it was so destructive was deemed appropriate for the Maple Leaf. <laughs> yes. Very good point, Fred. Well, I, you cannot really, you know, I don't, I don't know that you can destroy this place. It's, it's resilience is what this place is all about. There have been many attempts. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nightly. Um, though not in a while, so that's why this place is looking so good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look good. Um, so, all right, well, so then it comes to the Maple Leaf here, it's, it, and, and then tell us, how does the Crew of Oak then come about? And, well, I guess we should start, you know, what is the Crew of Oak? Well, the Crew of Oak is a neighborhood carnival organization. It's dedicated to partying. And, <laughs> At one time in New Orleans, uh, there were a lot of um, little uh, neighborhood crews or organizations <clears throat> that um, uh, experienced or whatever participated in uh, Carnival. And a lot of it was a reaction to uh, the old line, uh, big kind of snobby crews uh, regular people wanted to have fun and uh, so they started having their own little organizations and um, parades. Uh, a good example of a neighborhood um, group that started out very small and has become uh, maybe the second or third largest parade in Carnival is Toth, which started out as a group of uptown businessmen, a s small group of uptown businessmen who weren't allowed to participate in Momus, Comus, Rex, and right. whatever. Yeah. And um, th so they um, got together and uh, started their own organization. And I think Toth today, uh, it might be the second uh, biggest parade. You know, I know that. Yeah, that's a pretty successful rise there. Yes, it is. <laughs> Orpheus is bigger, but. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps um, 
Endymion, probably. Well, Endymion, that's right. Endymion's the biggest, yeah. But Toth is quite large. And what is Crew of Oak? It's not just named for Oak because it's on Oak Street. You, can you tell us what it stands for? It stands for Outrageous and Kinky. And uh, there's, a, there's a slogan we say, right? Crew of Oak is a... Oh, it's a conspiracy of fun. There you go. Uh, you get a, uh, uh, a conspiracy uh, has to involve at least two people or one person with a serious mental disorder. Oh, and yes, and, and, and is that a requirement to be in Crew of Oak? Yes. Well, a mental disorder is certainly it helps. helps. It yes. helps. Uh, yeah, it's like I would, people I would used say to so. phone the Maple Leaf and say, uh, "Should we get reservations?" And we always said, "Well, we all have reservations." <laughs> oh yeah, by the boatload, but you know. <laughs> all right. Well, so so, what is the inception then of Oak? How does that come about? It was. Um, let's see. I believe it was '85. And Terry Tucker, <clears throat> who uh, had been uh, uh, a big participant in the Moms Organization. I love, I have to pause here for a moment and give a big shout out to the fact that a woman started Crew of Oak. This is, this is news and that's cool. Big shout out to the ladies of Oak. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and um, uh, Terry, um, she certainly uh, lived her life in, with, uh, you know, following the um, slogan or whatever of uh, outrageous and kinky. I remember uh, her first Christmas tending bar at the Maple Leaf. She had the uh, tree decorated beautifully with condoms. And she took nice. each little condom out and put it on the little um, pine tree. And uh, it, she spent a lot of time. It looked <laughs> absolutely charming. Of course, by New Year's, it was totally ravaged. Yeah. Mostly well, people needed the condoms. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Ooh. Well. <laughs> I know, I'd love to know how that worked out for those people. That seems prickly. Better safe than sorry. <laughs> um, so, so she decides how many, who, how many are the founding members? Well, of course, uh, Terry really, uh, the first few years, she... It was pretty much her, and she would just <laughs> tell somebody, you know, all right, you, this is what you're doing for this year. And, um, but then at a certain point... Um, and it's just a party here at that point? You're not parading? Well, there was a parade, uh, uh, except that other parades would be insulted if it was compared to a, their parades. It oh, was, I understand. It looked more like if... A stroll. Let's say uh, there was um, uh, a Loosely municipal organized. jail, <laughs> and um, when all the inmates on Saturday night had made their um, illegal um, liquor out of um, um, yeast and um, the uh, juice from canned fruits, <laughs> and then there was a fire, and they had to have a fi fire escape, fire drill, fire escape. Right. And they all <coughs> tried to uh, leave at the same time. That was sort of how well organized it was. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. So not much has changed. No, and no. <laughs> actually, the inmates are now uh, drunker and more terrified. And there's a lot more of them. That's, That's correct. Sure. Yeah, now it's a maximum security. 
All right, so all right, so keep walking me through here where she's it's 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 basically a crew of one and and and, and it's gaining momentum and from there well let's see um well back then here on oak street in the neighborhood there were more um bars and music places uh there was a place across the street um uh, at that time called jed's jed's university inn but um the only relationship it had to a university was creating dropouts. <laughs> um, nice. But uh, there was a, um, uh, the street had a good tradition of um, live music and partying, just having a good time. And um, so uh, this, there was a small parade organized that just marched through the neighborhood it went to uh, Carrollton Station, which is a few blocks away. It went to, um, of course, uh, Jed's across the street. It went to Jimmy's, but Jimmy Anselmo wouldn't let anyone in. <laughs> and um, it went over to Madigan's over on Carrollton Avenue. Right. And uh, let's see, it went to Cooter Brown's. Oh yeah, good old Cooter Brown's. And that was That's about it. it. Yeah? Yeah. So no Snake and Jake's in the original. Snake and Jake's was, at that time, it was um, owned by Snake and Jake. It was not owned by, um, you Snake know. Clements. Yeah. Oh. It was. It, it so was, it wasn't, it was added a little. And that was a later, later. addition. Yeah. yeah. And how, how many people are, so let's see, you know, at what point is it really growing and becoming, um, it always costumes, yes? Yes. Always costumes. And from from that uh, first formal year of existence, there was a, a court named a king. There was a court from a the king, beginning. A queen, a court. Initially, the the court was sort of used as a a way of um, rewarding some regulars in the Maple Leaf and Carrollton Station and punishing others <laughs> with bad titles in the court. Yes, I was going to ask about. So you know, the 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 crew of Oak does always have a king and queen, as mm -hmm. a lot of these crews do and so yeah it's something from the very beginning that still but, continues uh, the late angelo today. ricca uh, was our first king and his first queen was the late uh, don don brady brady who was a uh, drama professor at uh, loyola for many years angelo uh, was a businessman here on oak street a good thing to know about don brady is uh, he was a drama professor at loyola university for several decades and when Tennessee Williams was still alive and he would come to town um, usually he and Don would get together and quite often there'd be a photograph of them uh, having dinner somewhere or just or lunch whatever in the quarter now if you got Tennessee Williams and Don Brady together in a bar you would understand that Tennessee Williams rode Hondo in that outfit uh, <laughs> he was the tough guy so that would tell you explains why Don became the first queen. Wow! Yeah, very cool. In fact, uh, it was our third year before we had a what became known as anatomically correct queen. That's correct. Oh, so okay, wait, hold up. So the technically the first queens were identified as males. That's correct. Now, of course, uh, we very male in the case of our second queen. That's right. <laughs> There's certain flexibility in that office. That's correct, That's yeah. Right. 
Well, that, yeah, it's good to, it, that's a good thing to be flexible. There's really, there's no reason why I think a king or queen, you know. We've had one, a third. It, had, it should have nothing to do with your genitalia. Yeah. Well, we did have one, a third male queen later in the run there. Oh, that's right. So, uh, so they had, it's been mostly uh, women queens and um, male king, all male kings so far. That's right. But um, some very. Well, what, one thing that comes uh, to mind pretty often for me is uh, I don't remember exactly what year, but it was uh, this year it was, but it was the first year in which midsummer had, we felt had maybe gotten too unwieldy, too, too many people had participated in the recent years uh, for us to continue our, our march through the neighborhood on the route we had finally established as a regular route for the carnival time parade. And this was the first year that it uh, then moved to Palmer Park. Uh, and um, I, I remember that year that it, a sizable group formed, the parade was pretty large. Uh, there were a good many people on the street to see it as it departed, which is not always the case. Right. Uh, but then when it returned from Palmer Park, Oak Street was completely packed with people. Right. And uh, there was a tremendous crowd to welcome the parade back. And that's the first time we, I think, really understood what this event was becoming, in fact, already had become. Right. How it had become more than just a neighborhood celebration at but this a, point. A lot happens in between then. And so with the, and that brings us back to the route. So with the old route, as you were describing it, how long was that the route? I mean, is that the route for really up until the time? Like, what were, what were the changes to the route over the years? Because we don't go to Palmer Park until the 2000s. That's a post-Katrina thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it started out, it was really a, a, a pub crawl. Right. Um, and uh, let's, it was those places I told you about. Snake and Jake's wasn't even really added until um, Dave Clemens bought it. Um so it was uh, it was really centered around Maple. I mean, um, uh, around well the Carrollton Station, Jimmy's area, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, we would go to Madigan's. But um, in general, uh, a very different crowd. They really didn't care for it, <laughs> and um, which didn't necessarily stop us. No, right. that's right. It was well. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, an invitation, honestly. So it's it the route kind of adjusts here and there yeah. according to where you're what yeah I would say probably uh, probably by the by the uh, mid nineties uh, we're going to Snake and Jake's after the Carrollton Station Jimmy's mm -hmm. stop so it's it became uh, at Carnival time you know uh, it's always been a more uh, size uh, modest crowd for Carnival because so much competition. Right. Friday before Mardi Gras. Right. Yes. Uh, I don't, and a lot of people probably don't know because it is smaller that Crew of Oak does parade. It's a parade so nice. We do it twice. Right. And and one the parade during Carnival time is the Friday before, um, you know, the, it's this big second weekend of Mardi Gras, and um, it's a you know a smaller parade. It's more of a crew oriented thing. It's a tough one because it's a long weekend and. It kicks off the, the, the full marathon, the last push of Mardi Gras, but um, but Midsummer Mardi Gras has always been your bigger 
thing, right? The, the that, carnival thing is kind of smaller. That's right. Uh, it, for the Midsummer Mardi Gras, uh, of course, what it came out of uh, being that neighborhood party many years ago. But um, there's nothing to do in the summer. And um, uh, so many people in the summer um, either work in the service industry or they're working in um, some kind of construction tr uh, uh, trade. And um, there isn't much work, and they right. um, uh, there's they just people are bored, you know. They don't have a lot of money, and they're just bored. And so it's it's a uh, fun way to uh, ha do something. And of course, there, in this town, people love an excuse to either get up in a weird costume or to wear nothing at all. Right. Well, and it kicks off for me and what I do, I guess I, you know, it kicks off what I call costume high season, you know, the, 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 the time we enter where there's even more opportunities than usual to dress up in costumes. Um, so what are some of, so, okay, we go from parading around and then I still want to hear some more about like some favorite memories, your favorite costume. Did you ever have a costume fail in a Midsummer Mardi Gras parade? Do you ever wear something that you were miserable in? Well, usually in, in Midsummer, uh, you would wear something that was uh, too hot. That yeah. was the f uh, fail. Uh, either that or you would have too much um, junk on your face and it would just start melting. <laughs> Yeah, you cannot do face paint. Right. Uh, that is, right. pro tip people, do not wear face paint to Midsummer Mardi Gras. There is no point. And, and then, of course, for men, they find that their privates um, are weird colors after Midsummer Mardi Gras if they have stuff on their face. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. And if they're lucky, apparently, which, you know, it is the crew of Outrageous and Kinky, so, well, you know, you stranger know, things. I don't know. A gold dick is not necessarily a great thing. Well, that's like your opinion. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I mean, what is, how would you describe your costume style, Hank? Because um, you've got, I mean, you have great costumes. You are a costumer. I, I would say in general for Crew of Oak, I try to be satirical. Satirical. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's trying to... Um, uh, you know, have a little joke about someone or something. Do you care if people get the joke in your costume? Like, is if, if it's if, if they don't get it, does it bother you? No, it doesn't. Uh, the whole th what bothers me is when people don't costume. Yes, right. Number one pet peeve. Yeah. If you didn't come to play, why are you here? Well, we we used, for midsummer we had a rule: no costume, no 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 party. Right. So. Right. And we, we're not like moms. We don't have a costume jail. And the reason is uh, we can't rely on a jailer to do the job. <laughs> right. So, yeah. You, you know, know, there's it's 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 hard to find good help. Correct. For sure. Yeah. Uh, well, so that brings us to themes. Is there a theme? Has there always been a theme? There has. Um, some, some years the themes have been um, spot on. And of course, it's, it's really hard to come up with something, you know, clever. We, we usually try to make it uh, topical. Um, and 
when it with topical a lot of the themes have been about individual members and the only people who will get it are people inside the crew but that's fine because really for many many years the crew of Oak the Midsummer Mardi Gras was closed to the public and um, these days uh, if, if you have a costume and it's a decent one you can attend but uh, the um, uh, you know the tickets are expensive. Most people don't want to pay that. But, but that's for the ball afterwards. The ball, correct? Right. Yes. So there's a, and I don't think this is something that a lot of people know too, because I didn't know it really until I joined. That there, the crew does have a ball after um, the parade, both at Mardi Gras and after Midsummer. It's at the Maple Leaf. You know, great music, good times, good people, great costumes. It's always a blast. Um, but yeah, so that was formerly always a private event, but now you can go, you can get tickets. That's correct. Yeah, you can attend the ball. Uh, and of course, you can attend the parade as well. There are other private events for the uh, Crew of Oak, which uh, uh, almost no amount of money could get you entry without a membership. Right. right. Oh, yes. Well, of course. Almost. Almost. Correct. And so, but what's cool about Midsummer Mardi Gras is that, and we'll get back to themes in a minute, but I, I, what I do love is that even though you have the ball, you don't have to be a part of that to still have an amazing time. And, and you know, Fred, this gets back to, to what you were saying about what it has become in, in, in recent years where it's just this gigantic street party outside the Maple Leaf. And so you can always have a good time out there too. Um, Okay, so there's always been themes, and what was the first theme? Well, uh, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> you know, the, we can tell you who yeah, the this is royals gonna... were. The king was Everett Maddox. No, that's I'm sorry, uh, Angela Ricca, and the uh, queen was Don Brady. But uh, beyond that, I, I don't, really remember don't remember the theme. No, I, I really don't. <laughs> but there definitely was one. Yes. We're, we're going to have to do like some sort of social media crew challenge to see <laughs> who can remember the first theme of Midsummer Mardi Gras. Um, well, any other themes over the years that stand out? Huh. That's a tough one, Fred. I know. I, I, you know, I can't even remember last year's theme. <laughs> yeah. So if, yeah, like, uh, well. <laughs> You know, I, I, I uh, sort of lose track of what was a carnival time and what was a midsummer Mardi Gras. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, a theme. A lot of uh, naked got into a lot of the midsummer Mardi Gras. Things that, that's somehow. correct. Yeah, we always try to uh, promote uh, nudity. Have either of you ever gone naked? Uh, no. In the parade? No. No. Well, I, uh, yes, in the we parade. We try to attract people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't know. You know, there may have been a day Gentlemen where of a certain felt age inspired. Should wear more clothing. Uh, yeah. Um. So, can you tell us anything about some of the traditions? What I mean, what are some of the traditions that that we could maybe share? Just a little taste. In the well, crew I, of I Oak. Th I think one of the things that uh, a lot of people enjoy in the crew is uh, the recitation of our. Cosa Nostra pledge, which uh, Hank devised. Yeah, it's taken from uh, the um, uh, initiation oath uh, to the mafia from the 1890s all the way until, say, 
the, maybe as late as the 1960s. Wow. And at, at it, uh, but originally, uh, of course, it was spoken in Sicilian, and we only say a few uh, phrases in the original Sicilian. Okay. But there is a um, uh, recitation of the Crew of Oak uh, pledge. And I can't say anything more. That's about right. All I'm I think that's I say. think that's sufficient. That's nice. Um, and then, of course, uh, in this, if uh, all I'll say is in the ceremony for the um, initiation into the mafia, I can give a little historical parallel. In the in the initiation to the mafia, I guess starting, um, you know, in the late 1800s. Uh, the ceremony would finish up uh, before, right before the fingers were pricked, <clears throat> where people would um, have a photograph or a picture of a saint. They'd have a picture of a saint or a photograph of a picture, and they would um, put the picture in their hand and light it on fire. And then what? they would, yeah, and that they would rec recite the uh, same uh, pledge. Fascinating. And this is the, the model. This is how seriously we take our conspiracy of fun. I'm just telling you that uh, <laughs> I'm mentioning that that is done with the mafia. Right, That's all right. Say. Oh, copy. One okay. of the things I think, too, that uh, helped um, has been a, a fun part of, of uh, both parades, the Carnival Time and Midsummer, is uh, a series of um, uh, events in local restaurants and bars uh, right along Oak Street before the parade starts. Right. Uh, in, in which um, the king and queen, reigning king and queen, are presented to the, to the uh, audience of people in the restaurant or bar. Uh, and there is a, um, a ceremony, that, uh, satirical ceremony that takes place. Uh, having a, a little fun with the, the, the sort of, the kind of events sort of like the uh, mayor and the uh, king of, uh, and Rex toast. Right, uh, we right. We might, might parody that with somewhat different uh, uh, sort of ceremonial uh, uh, icons. Uh, so <laughs> in other words, it, it would be down and dirty, kind of nasty stuff, but always double entendre, nothing vulgar. Right. And uh, these, this was a, a fun part of the, the thing that I think actually engaged a lot more of the businesses on Oak Street that became more interested over the years and as they saw more and more people showing up yeah. and uh, becoming, turning this into the street festival it has, has right. become. So that, that group of ceremony, that we're just having some fun with, you know, mostly people we knew and wanted to sort of bring the, a little bit of the parade into their businesses. Uh, but that, is, that, that turned uh, mostly into something positive for the crew. And then we also, uh, there is uh, uh, a royal, um, well, the king and queen uh, in um, summer and in the winter, the outgoing and incoming king and queen uh, um, get uh, uh, a wonderful dinner. Uh, over the years, we've had it at um, uh, Galatoire's, at Commander's Palace. We've had it at Antoine's. Uh, anyway, there's there, there, there's a royal meal for the king and queen, and um, the meal is usually spectacular. Oh yeah. And uh, well, I know you like to eat, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's 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 a fun event. It's part. It's a f fun part of the whole um, uh, the whole situation. Yeah, it's nice. And and what's nice about the royalty and the crew of Oak is that it really is about honoring people that are special to the people in the crew and. Um, and that's one of the traditions we could tell people about is, so, um, you know, how are the king and queen announced now? And then is that different from how it was done in the past? Because there are, the king and queen are always announced on Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, correct. Tell us about that, and is it different than what it was before? Uh, yeah, originally, um, it, it, uh, in the earliest days, uh, they tried to do it on Twelfth Night, but sometimes that just didn't work out. <laughs> so, uh, and it's not like there was this um, outrage that it wasn't done on Twelfth Night. But these days, it's uh, it, it's pretty well established now as 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 you know a real tradition. Yeah, then that, that came out of our our uh, ongoing partnership now with the Funny Forty Fellows. Uh, and the toast that uh, some years ago uh, we uh, talked with uh, Peggy Laborde and uh, Errol, the, uh, who are the forces behind the Funny Forty Fellows in, in its current incarnation, and uh, suggested that um, as they were uh, beginning to uh, make their streetcar ride in the Crew of Oaks territory, that it would be appropriate if the crew were to toast them. Right. in that event as the car barn uh, over there on Willow Street is across from one of our perennial stops at Carrollton Station and Jimmy's. So uh, when once that began, that became the uh, natural location for uh, a continued celebration. After they depart, then we take advantage of the opportunity to announce to a pretty large crowd uh, our, our royalties for the uh, coming season. Yeah, it's always a really nice night. It always it always just feels special because you know it's like oh Mardi Gras is here. Yeah, it's carnival time. And I love and I love the the collaborative approach of you know oh hey you're coming in our space let's let's make this work together and make and, it a uh, shared I think they, celebration. Yeah, I think they would. Uh, in fact, Peggy and Errol both said you know that uh, they have enjoyed that collaboration yeah, very much from their nice. end too. It's helped call more attention to right. to that. And that's become. Uh, a substantial event in its own. Uh, right yeah, now. it's. I, I love that part of Twelfth Night. Yeah, there are a lot of people in costume. Uh, it, originally, the um, Funny Forty Fellows, there would be people there to see them off, but it was mostly um, uh, bar patrons, and there would be some people would come up uh, just to see the uh, streetcar leave with the Funny Forty Fellows on it. But um, uh, now. Th uh, it's a lot of people in costume, yeah. and um, a, a large contingent it's, are there to see both um, uh, the Funny Forty Fellows uh, streetcar leave, but also to see the uh, Lazy Boys toast the King and Queen and um, the uh, crew of Oak announce King and Queen and things like that. Right, that's right, because the Lazy Boys now make like an official appearance there as well. That's right. For those who don't know, the Lazy Boys being another parading and uh, marching, well, they're really more of a riding crew. They ride motorized uh, uh, lazy boys, so they're, uh, they're they're now in on the gig here, the Twelfth Night celebration, which is really cool. Well, also when I mentioned the Lazy Boys, the three uh, uh, 
organizing personalities of the crew of Oak are called the Lazy Boys. Oh, you're talking about them, the other that, those Lazy Boys. Yes, the oh, original we'll Lazy that. Boys. Oh, the original Lazy Boys. <laughs> oh, okay. And so, okay. Um, so who are they again? Uh, who are ba- the Lazy Boys? Balthazar, Melchior, and... Um, Gaspar. Gaspar. And, and why um, are they called the original Lazy Boys? Because they, 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 they are. Just, or, <laughs> yeah, they... You know, <laughs> And um, of course, uh, from inception, lazy. They, they, they uh, have the uh, uh, same names as the uh, three wise men who uh, presented the gifts to the newly born uh, Jesus. Right. And um, they arrived from the east. Yes, bearing <laughs> gifts. Fascinating. So, so the lazy boys, when they go over to the streetcar barn. Uh, to toast the king and queen of um, uh, Funny Forty Fellows, they always arrive from the east bearing gifts. Oh, oh I love it. See, I, I had no idea. Um, that's very cool. And that uh, that is a, a, a costumed event, as Hank said. I know. The, the Lazy Boys are in their Lazy Boy attire. Correct. Know? And Which uh, is, are, are we not, Those are fezzes and uh, other uh, insignia of the crew of Oak. Robes and such. Yeah, usually uh, tuxedos with fezzes. Oh. And um, these fezzes uh, are uh, true fezzes from uh, the country that first um, uh, originated the fez back in the 1700s. Right, these we, aren't your party city fezzes no these are from turkey i will say i really do you always have great headwear and as you know a a, a milliner in training you i i love the fact that you love good headwear and good quality headwear at that so that's right kudos um all right so present day we've been talking a little bit about and and i just want to kind of catch us up to speed by you know getting us to the point where we change the route to Palmer Park and it is this big street party and we're, you know, toasting with the 40 fellows over at, at Carrollton, uh, you know, the, the, the streetcar barn. There's something that happens from the, you know, of course, in the middle of all this uh, that, that is an important part, I think, of the Midsummer Mardi Gras identity and, um, and that is Katrina. And, you know, just because, Hank, you, you, you know, I respect you so much for what you are in the community. And, you know, you really were a, a, a force during Katrina. And so um, Midsummer Mardi Gras happens the night that basically we are told to evacuate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave the story there and let you guys talk about that time and, and the parade and that night and, and your memories of it. Well, uh, <clears throat> we um, decided we were going to uh, parade the crew of Oak. Uh, we did our parade. We went, um, uh, we went to Palmer Park. But at Palmer Park, it was uh, clear because it was, um, the rain was picking up. Mm-hmm. So we didn't stop. We basically did a loop and came uh, back to the leaf. We cut off a major part of the parade. And I remember at a certain point, the rain got so uh, bad, um, 
I took off running because I still had to get the band on the stage. Uh, we were not coming back. We were coming back way early. And the band is supposed to be on stage playing when the crew uh, returns to the uh, leaf. Mm -hmm. So I, I was running partly to get out of the rain, but mostly to get the band back on stage because they weren't expecting the um, crew to be back for another hour and a half. Right. And I, who knows where, what country those guys were in. You know? Right. They might have had to jet in. So um, uh, I, I, I took off running, and I got back here. I was out of breath and soaking wet. But we got, I got the band back on stage. It was funny because they were kind of pissed off, like, you know... Um, I interrupted the activities. They were, um, <laughs> yeah, pre-concert activities. Correct. That's a yeah. yeah. They were in the alley. Uh, well, they, <laughs> they were doing what musicians do, right. and um, probably going over their sheet music. Of course. And um, so, but we got them on. They were playing as the band came in. I, I it, it's funny the weird things you're proud of, but I'm proud of that. A, a, a poignant um, <clears throat> moment occurred in conjunction with that, uh, at least uh, I, I think it is, uh, and that was that that year the uh, outgoing king and queen, uh, incoming king, the royals dinner was going to be at Brightson's that afternoon. We, uh, we had an afternoon dinner schedule uh, that did for a number of years at Brightson's. And, um, they always set up the, like the front porch, uh, the dining room area. It's, uh, well, it used to be a porch, it's enclosed now. So they had a little small dining, private dining room, and they did a special menu for us and decorated. Well, late that afternoon, you know, they, they were gonna still give us the chance to have our dinner, but they canceled their, their service that night. Right. But we said, no, y'all just go ahead and, and cancel. Cut to the, they, they finally get back to New Orleans, to Frank and Marna Brightson, some point in October. And they said uh, it really touched them when they went back in the restaurant and what they saw was the setup for the crew of boat right. oh. that had to be abandoned. Oh, yeah. So they, they've always uh, felt a, a kinship with the crew. Uh, right. And they certainly, uh, we had some great dinners there. Oh, yeah. So that was, my, for me, I had to, uh, I was then program director of WWNO. So I had called myself in to be on the air to uh, talk about evacuation and storm issues and uh, to, to uh, do that coverage. So I, I, I didn't get to participate. That's right. what, until this year, that's the only other midsummer Mardi Gras uh, that I had missed. Wow. And so in total, how many years? 34. Damn. You think so, any, anyone else have that record? Who, el who else holds these records with y'all? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty close to Fred. I missed one uh, in the 80s, uh, one of the early uh, midsummers. Uh, I was going just going to see my dad in right, DC. Right, yeah. And um, I can't really think of another one. I don't think you, guys you missed another the, one. No, I don't think You guys think are so. the OGs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as one can tell. Uh, <laughs> you look great. Um so, okay, and so then I just want to clarify, Ron, because I, I think I must be confused. So we, we, we do go to Palmer Park before Katrina. That, when does that change happen? Because I felt like in my memory that was after, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Like I said. I think it was before. Yeah. Uh, I, I, boy, I, 
I can't say for sure. I, I, I didn't know for sure what route you guys did that night. Yeah. Yeah, um, you so know, does the the parade gets back here, music's on, and then do we does it keep going? Do you have to shut down early? Are people freaking out? Like, what's the what's the vibe here that night? People came, and they, uh, we there was an event here. Um, wasn't Walter playing? Might have been. He would have been on most Saturday nights in those days. I, I'm I believe Walter Washington was playing because what I remember, gee. No, I'm confusing that memory with a different one. Um, well, we had, um, God, I can't remember who the band was. I have to look that up. Yeah, it's a record somewhere. Yeah. Now, I don't Someone remember either, Hank. Uh, um, I do know that that night, overnight that night, uh, uh, was when Katrina went from like a, a, a pretty high category two to the biggest mm -hmm. thing that anybody had ever seen right mm -hmm. and uh, so the real scary stuff with the weather didn't happen until that late uh, just say about the time the party was ending right that was growing into it you know uh you're either you're going to be here for a while stuck in town or you're going to get out today right now immediately right. That's, that's right that's what became obvious and what was it? It came through on um, well, was it Sunday, Sunday? night uh, into yeah. Monday morning. Yeah. yeah, it was early Monday morning. It, it hit, which was good. I had a uh, chance to have a good day's rest. Right, but, which you needed. Yeah. And um, and I remember uh, this building, um, the the um, joists and the beams. Um, I don't even know what kind of wood it is, but. You can take a six-inch nail and hammer it in, and it'll go in about halfway, and then the nail will squunch up and then snap. That's how hard the wood is that wow. this building is made of, the frame of it. And um, so I felt the building was pretty strong, but still, uh, I live upstairs. I was upstairs in my apartment, and uh, there were times when the building would um, shake so quickly uh, I was afraid. Right. It oh. was, uh, uh, but the the building was fine. We lost the roof. Right. But uh, that was, in a way, good. Also, I mean, it it needed replacing, <laughs> and it saved us from having the other. There were they just kept slopping roofs on, uh, so there were like five roofs, <laughs> and they were they they were pretty much all blown off, and um. So uh, when the team of uh, um, a whole lot of um, uh, Mexicans were in town after Katrina doing roof work. Right. And we um, had this uh, bunch, and um, they did a great job. I mean, they, had to, they put the new roof on in like two days, mm. and half the team was women. Yeah. Wow. It was, and I saw them up there. I was watching them, uh, you know, Nobody had, was tied in or anything. They're walking around on the roof three and four floors up. And it was like, I'd be terrified Yeah, to do oh that. my God, I know. But, the, but the, anyway. Well, and I, I want to, because you've talked a lot about, you know, your experiences, I know, elsewhere through Katrina and stuff. And so um, I, I, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, only to ask about, you know, as it relates to Midsummer Mardi Gras and the crew of Oak, um, you know, what, 
any memories of sort of like what was the crew of Oak, how, you know, through Katrina and after Katrina and coming back, you know, it, because this really speaks to, I think, what a lot of people probably don't realize is the way these crews operate as, you know, real, you know, communities and, and, and families, families as we call them. So, you know, what, what was the crew of Oak in the aftermath of Katrina? We had for, uh, say, the next few years, we would have people who were dispersed around the country who would come to town for either carnival or for um, uh, midsummer Mardi Gras uh, simply to participate. And then they would go back to wherever they had evacuated to because that's where for, for several years we had a lot of people who were, you know, um, uh, stuck somewhere else in the country. But they would come back to uh, um, experience uh, <clears throat> well, carnival in the uh, winter, but midsummer Mardi Gras with the crew of Oak in the summer. Right. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I well, I have friends now that, you know, I think in particular, shout out to Doe, who always flies back mm -hmm. for our events. Well, uh, also the uh, the Maple Leaf uh, itself, and and Hank and and a number of people who who stayed through the storm. Um, Along, here on Oak Street, uh, really, I think, anchored a, a place where people could come and get get something to eat, something to drink. Uh, you know, there was it was a community center for really for many years anyway, but it really became one. And I think that had an effect on uh, establishing maybe deeper feeling for the crew of Oak mm -hmm. and a, a, a little, a, a, you know, really tying the people that were in any way associated with that period very. Uh, much to the bar itself and to the crew. Right. Yeah. Two things that nobody went through that will ever want to uh, go through <laughs> again is is hearing the sound of, of of your house or your bar possibly about to explode. Right. And uh, the smell afterwards. Oh yeah, the smell in here. Well, no. the, the smell is the, the general city. smell of the city. city. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Yeah, it, there was um, so much um, uncollected garbage. Right. There are undisposed of garbage, whatever. The refrigerators thing. everywhere. Yeah, the refrigerators, and um, uh, you would. And what I remember was, um, uh, a, if a car was parked uh, in an area that had that really bad smell, of, you know a hundred uh, refrigerators with rotting meat that smell would get inside the car and um, it would be there for weeks and weeks afterwards and not not strong you just get a little whiff of it but it's it was there and it was like oh man I <laughs> oh yeah we we get through Katrina it's a whole rebuilding process and then but it, it, in recent years for sure I think in conjunction with the explosion of i call it grassroots costuming and and grassroots carnival which i think what is you were hinting trying to describe earlier to a, a, a you know in the wake of katrina as we had more and more people kind of embracing carnival on their own terms and redefining ways to participate in mardi gras um in conjunction with that Midsummer Mardi Gras really has become a huge parade. And the parade we now go, um, it's not a pub crawl so much anymore. Right. Uh, and it goes 
from the Maple Leaf to Palmer Park. We gather in Palmer Park for a while and then come back here, as we said, and it's a huge street party. Um, what do you think about that change? Is that, I mean, it, it, having been here from the beginning, what is that, to see that transformation, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think that it's a lot like uh, the history of uh, Carnival itself. Carnival started out as, um, well, uh, one of those old line carna uh, organizations like Momus or Comus started out as a uh, group of um, regular businessmen and uh, in Reconstruction they weren't allowed to, or their, their political activities were restricted. And over Carnival, they were able to um, dress up in costume and make fun of the occupying forces. Right. Uh, they were able to get away with uh, satire that might have got, gotten them put in jail or whatever. And um, so it started out as um, kind of regular people, businessmen and whatever. And um, uh, over the years, a lot of it was taken over by extremely wealthy people. Uh -huh. And I like the uh, fact that in recent years in New Orleans, it has gone back to much more um, uh, an event of the people. I do too. Yeah, a lot of neighborhood uh, parades and or, you know, parties and uh, things that at a micro level in the, in the city that um, really give people an opportunity, <clears throat> as the crew of Oak has done with the uh, Oak parades, uh, just being here to experience the real spirit of Carnival. Right. Uh, you know, to really enjoy it on an on a, on a individual level uh, that you can't just get vicariously from attending one of the Super Crew parades. I think one of the things Hank and I are most gratified about, besides having had a hell of a lot of fun over the years, is that it's now readily apparent that this crew will continue past our tenures. Oh, yeah. That's and, right. Uh, and we're really pleased to have seen that evolution, a whole new group of people who brought new energy and fresh ideas to the crew. and I, th I think uh, we're really gratified that that's the circumstance. Look, look forward to kind of seeing that um, evolve further in the, in the coming years. Yeah, and I, I, and I think it, it, it really will. There's so many, because what I think is cool is that while the crew of Oak is, is at the center and the, and the core of this, um, there's so many other groups that now come and join the party. They're out there on the street. They don't even plan what they're doing. It has nothing to do with the crew of Oak. They are just here for the street party and to add to, um, you know, the, 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 the art and joy that we, we make in the street. So that is really cool. Um, before I let you go, Talk to me a little bit about what, what does it take to put on the parade? Is it, like, how long do you guys plan for it? And who is that, you know, I know it's people within the crew, but, I mean, the Maple Leafs involved, there's, how, how, how much planning is involved? Well, of course, uh, uh, because the uh, parade has gotten large, um, we need a permit. We have to uh, get the permit from City Hall. We mm -hmm. need to get the uh, permission of the council representative. We have to liaison with the um, uh, police department. Mm -hmm. We have to hire police and fire. Uh, we have to arrange with the traffic department uh, or streets, whatever, at City Hall. Um, 
uh, we have to have every intersection covered so that while we're parading, uh, there's, uh, there are officers there. Um, we have to uh, deal with um, parks and parkways uh, when we uh, stay for any length of time at Palmer Park. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to have insurance. There, there, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and it all has to be uh, nailed down um, really two, two months at the latest in advance. You know, it, it, you, you're much better off if it's mostly nailed down, say, four months in advance. Because mm -hmm. then, you know, when uh, there, there's always problems. Oh, but, yeah. it, but But if, you're, um, if you have it mostly nailed down, then you can focus on the problems at the last minute and you're not running around trying to get signatures and see whatever council person, you know, you have time to really focus on uh, making the parade the best it can be. And then there's a lot of planning going into the actual uh, content of the evening and the parade itself. The uh, what's what's going to be um, our, what you know from selecting of a theme to uh, who who are the royals going to be, you know, where where are various events going to be held. What music uh, is going to play? Because yeah, music be, is yeah. a huge part of the night, especially it, not yeah. from the music made in the streets, right? To the right. to, to here on that, the stage. That's right, and um, there's problems uh, on the for each event with the music, because um, in the winter so many bands and musicians are busy, mm -hmm. and in the summer so many bands and musicians are out of town. Right. So, uh, and we've always had very very good music. Uh, quality music so uh, sometimes it's been challenging just uh, being able to uh, get a band together when you find out that the band you thought you'd booked you know say the keyboard player is um, got a last minute gig in Europe and the drummer is wherever so that band that they, they still want to do it but because it's just not really that band anymore you don't want to do it with them you know and then you have to come up with something else and I imagine that's one of the challenges that has always been there dealing dealing with the bands. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so one one of the good things is uh, as it connects with what we were saying about how the crew now appears to <clears throat> have a few you know future past its uh, initial uh, beginnings uh, <clears throat> is that uh, we have a, a, a talented group of people who participate in that planning. Yes. And uh, actually get to do a lot of work. Oh yeah. On behalf yeah. of the. Of the parade and the crew they're they're amazing i mean it's it's yeah. the maple leaf always looks incredible in in um the early days it was like um for a whole lot of it it was uh, me and uh it's so much better now that there's a whole team behind you know mm -hmm. who's taken over a lot of the stuff and um in the olden days it was <coughs> a lot of it was just about Getting the band to show up on time and on stage, <laughs> and relatively sober. Right. And then hurting the cats. Th that's right. Uh, oh, the Secret Service. You should know about the Secret Service. Oh, oh, <laughs> do tell. We the Secret Service. So, so um, uh, the Secret Service first came about in. Um, there was one year when the Midsummer um, event had exploded. It went up to a, a few thousand from several hundred, yeah. right? And it was it was well among other things when dealing with the police for um uh, to get a, a permit to parade and getting officers, 
And is this like late 90s, early 2000s It would be late period? 90s. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, we had to, um, among other things, they, they were, uh, we needed crowd, we needed, they said we, you need to control your crowd. And um, you were like, oh, great. <laughs> well, they, and then the other thing <laughs> was um, uh, some of the, um, uh, officers they were telling us we needed to hire it was getting prohibitively expensive mm -hmm. and part of that was uh, traffic control so um, we organized they're called the Secret Service and um, they're all volunteers but they are uh, if we now have a team which say three-quarters of them have done multiple parades and they've become very good at uh, uh, getting the uh, uh, after the, or just controlling a, a, an enormous crowd, it, getting them to start, getting them to move, right. getting them to stop, um, get, getting them to not block a street uh, when there's uh, traffic, oncoming traffic, when we're crossing a roadway, you know. They, they will um, stop the parade first, but then once the parade starts to cross the street, they have to stop the traffic. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, for a few years until we had people who had done the event a few times and had gotten experience in what was really required it was uh, it was challenging but but now it's it's a it's very very well run right with people who know what they're doing and that's right take it serious because it is a serious job I mean you have to you have to be sober and you have to approach it with you know seriousness because it's you got to keep people moving. The the and it, people will linger. You can't have that with the parade. You got to keep it moving. There was an event uh, about 20 years ago, and um, uh, it was when we did. We, we just had a few crowd control and a uh, he, a young guy, you know, maybe early 20s or younger. Um, was uh, <clears throat> um, he'd been on the levee and he saw the parade and he wanted to catch up with the parade and he took off running and he didn't stop when he hit River Road he just ran into River Road he was hit by a car oh god and um, he he was um, he was okay there was no problem but he actually ended up uh, um, I don't think he even went got went in the ambulance. An ambulance came, and I don't think he would. Uh, and I'm sure he f was very sore the next day. Yeah. But that event, we had some small secret service there, but we realized uh, we have to triple the, the size, and they have to be um, they have to go to uh, uh, classes to you know, like all right, this is what we're doing. We're stopping here. You know, certain of you will be assigned to uh, traffic control. Certain you will, of you will be assigned to, um, <clears throat> you know, starting or stopping the people. Right. So, so that it was uh, uh, much more controlled in uh, the what the duties are of the people who can handle the parade. Right. Parade management 101. Well, that 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 brings us full circle in a great way because it really is like. You know, 
to to have come so far in in some things that are that are so different and yet some things that are the same you know uh and is there anything else you guys feel you want to share about midsummer mardi gras it's still one of the best parties on the planet and it always will be as long as it's held we just hope it's able to be held in 2021 i i do too yeah what are your thoughts on that hank what are your what are your thoughts on mardi gras you, you see mardi gras happening this year no i don't yeah, <laughs> unfortunately I don't and um i don't know uh, i i would like to see midsummer mardi gras permitted to happen but i don't see that happening either yeah they they uh well just the maple leaf bar still can't do live music right and people are getting permits to do concerts in their backyards, but we can't get a permit to do a concert here at the Maple Leaf. We'd, we've been presenting live music for almost 50 years. Right. Very frustrating. I really <coughs> respect your commitment though to remain closed, even back when the bars could open, the fact that you remain closed out of, you know, out of support for your musicians and hey, you know, the Maple Leaf is nothing without its live music. That's right. So as much as it, is soul crushing to not be able to be here for me. Um, and I know I speak for a lot of people when I say that, but, um, but I think it's really amazing that you're, you know, standing up for your musicians and they're, you know, they need, they need to be able to play. So, yes. Um, well, yeah, that's, I'm so glad that at least we can come together and kind of share these memories and this little history lesson. Cause I think a lot of people will really enjoy learning about the crew of oak and midsummer mardi gras and uh you know i have one last question for you hank because i know that you are uh one of the original bless you boys um big shout out to the popes i love the popes those are my people and um i had the honor of being able to make their new uh vestments okay uh right for the the black ones uh -huh. um their robes and so i'm just wondering because i know you're retired from the popes do you dress up in your pope's costume secretly when you're at home <laughs> well i can't answer that uh, okay that is a neither confirmed nor denied and will you, you correct that, right? yeah Will you be dressing up in your Pope's costume potentially while watching this season this year from home? Well, that's possible. And of course, I have uh, uh, a few times over the years uh, in the winter in, during Carnival been um, in the Pope outfit. Oh, okay. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very hot. So I, if, if, it's, if it's a cold Carnival, I'll use the Pope outfit. Because right. It's so it does make an appearance every now and then. That's right. Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Well, Fred, thank you so much. It's, it's really a pleasure to have you here and I thank appreciate you, so. you playing along with me, especially given your, uh, credentials as an Edward R. Moreau award winning journalist. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Hank. Um, this has been really educational for me. I learned so much about my own crew and it made me feel so much better about missing Midsummer Mardi Gras and missing the Maple Leaf, missing live music, missing costuming and, you know, missing the things that we do that keep us feeling connected. So hopefully, hopefully this helps y'all. Thank you guys. Thank you so Thank you. much.
hope that made everyone feel better about missing Midsummer Mardi Gras. I want to thank you, Hank and Fred, again for sitting with us through the prohibition of bars and live music in New Orleans. You know, as uh, Hank said in our interview, the Maple Leaf is closed, and that affects a lot of people, not just the people who come here, but the musicians that play here and the staff, the amazing bartenders who work here. So if you want to support the Maple Leaf, you can go over to their website, mapleleafbar.com, where you can donate to the Maple Leaf Bar COVID-19 Relief Fund. You can also go on the mapleleafbar.com and pick out some amazing merch. I'm sitting here with my Maple Leaf Bar custom cup, and I love it. It's my favorite cup. So go over there and support the Leaf by picking up some merch and making a donation. I want to thank my co-host, Julianne Lagniap and Caroline Thomas. You can catch up with what Julianne is up to anytime on her Instagram, Instagram account, Made by Julianne. Julianne's selling some really incredible handmade zippered masks right now, and so you'll definitely want to go check those out. She also has a website, madebyjulianne.com. You can find Caroline on the Insta at C to the Line. And you can follow me at NOLA Costume Center on Instagram. I also have a website, nolacostumecenter.com. And my store, the New Orleans Costume Center in the Marigny, is going to be reopening mid-September. So if you go over to our social media, there'll always be information about when that reopening is happening. I want to say thank you, of course, to my producer and editor, Ryan Guillory. Ryan is one of the bartenders here at the Maple Leaf, and he has also, he's a man of many talents who has graciously offered to step in and help me with this crazy project I have, and I just could not be more grateful for him. So thanks so much, Ryan. I want to also give a shout out here if you're looking for something really fun and totally COVID friendly to do to break the monotony of your life right now. I highly recommend going over to Jam Nola. It is New Orleans newest experiential pop up that has just opened. Um, Julianne and myself and Caroline all have work in Jam Nola. Julianne designed one of the rooms, the Feather Forest. I designed and curated one of the rooms, the costume closet. It's a dream version of a New Orleans costume closet. I think you guys will love it. All of the rooms that are part of Jam Nola are a celebration of all the things we love about New Orleans. So it's, it's guaranteed to make you happy. You can buy tickets for Jam Nola over at jamnola.com. That's how they keep it safe, y'all. The tours are small and personalized, so go over there and buy some tickets. Check it out. Stay tuned for the season to come of Costume Talk. We have some sparkly special stuff planned that I'm really, really looking forward to sharing with everyone. You can find Costume Talk on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you wait for us to drop our season, you can keep up with what's going on and all updates over at our Instagram account, Costume Talk. Check in there, and we're going to be posting some great stuff for you to get you excited about the season ahead. Thanks for listening.